Hello, everybody. Welcome to Inter STEM Talks number four, hosted by the Irvine Testing Chapter, which is going to be focusing on standardized testing, specifically during the COVID-19 pandemic. And throughout this episode, we're mainly going to be focusing on um, COVID adaptability, which is part of a three-part series that our chapter is going to be hosting. So I really hope everybody enjoys and takes some valuable and relevant information from these podcasts. So um, my name is Andre Lombardi. I'm the Irvine Testing Co-President, along with Priyanka Kaldindi. Um, and then we have, we have Sasha Kennan. Uh, yeah, hi, I'm Sasha and I'm the Publicity Officer for the InterSTEM Irvine Tennyson Chapter. And we have Mary. Hi everyone, my name is Mary and I am the Chapter President for San Diego. And then we also have Crystal Wing. Hi, my name is Crystal and I'm the Chapter President for InterSTEM's Fairfax Chapter. And finally we have Vivian. Hi guys, I'm Vivian and I'm the Development Officer for the Irvine Testing Chapter. Cool, so I'm really excited um, that we can all talk together about standardized testing. So let's just jump right into it, I think. Um, the first topic that we do want to discuss um, is about taking the SAT and ACT now that they're both optional for colleges. This is probably, you know, uh, one of the biggest questions in terms of college admission or just in general for um, high school students, people that are going to be entering college soon. Um, so, I mean, who, who wants to go first about um, what they think now that it's optional, should we still take the SAT? Should we take the ACT? Um, should we take either? Uh, what are your guys' thoughts? Yeah, so I can go first on this. So I am currently a senior, meaning that I have finished the college application process and I have finished taking my standardized tests. Um, a lot of schools in the 2020 to 2021 application uh, season did go test optional. So this includes the UCs who I believe actually went test blind. You have Ivy Leagues who went test optional. So it was definitely a huge shift. So as someone who was able to take standardized tests and submit these scores. I do think that they may have benefited my application, however, not to the extent in which some people may think. So right now, since we are in the middle of a global pandemic, it is difficult to decide or perhaps make sacrifices to travel to perhaps another state to take the SAT or ACT or do something of the sort. So if you are in a situation in which you have a family member who is high risk or you must travel to another state, I would say that it is 100% not worth it. These colleges understand that we are in a crazy time right now and they understand that it's not going to be accessible for everyone, which is why they went test optional. Uh, if you look at the current statistics right now for early action decisions, which have mostly come out, you'll see that a lot of the accepted applicants, especially for more competitive institutions, have gone have gotten in test optional. So it really isn't going to factor anything in terms of admissions. Just know that if you do not submit a standardized test, then the other factors of your application, including GPA, course rigor, extracurriculars, letters of recommendation, and essays are going to be weighted a little more heavily. So just keep that in mind. However, if you are, um, if you do have the opportunity to take it and you aren't risking too much, then I would go ahead and study for it and then take it in that case. 
Yeah, I agree with Mary in that. Um, I think it's important to take the SAT or ACT if maybe your GPA isn't as high as you'd like it to be, or you're not doing as many extracurriculars because it's a little harder in the pandemic, or maybe you didn't get as close to as many teachers because you're online, so you can't talk to them. But I also think it depends on which college you're interested in, because some universities have made their stance maybe like not as clear as it could have been, but um, other schools have said test optional, so just focus on where you want to go. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, does anybody have any other thoughts about like specifically how COVID has also affected the admissions for standardized testing? Yeah, so I'm also a senior right now. And one thing I noticed is because it is a lot of universities have gone test optional and test blind, the admissions rate has gone up a lot. So um, especially for the um, more difficult schools to get into, such as MIT and Harvard, the amount of applicants has increased a lot. So that's just something to be aware of. There's a lot more competition now. And I believe the MIT acceptance rate has gone from 6% to 4.5%. 4 so it's just, it's also, although it helps a lot of people, it's also something to be aware of because it adds more competition to the overall application process. And along with this, um, a lot of, there are a lot of um, college sessions that I attended and they talked about test blind and test optional. And they said that if your um, SAT or ACT really doesn't benefit you at all, um, it's really not worth it. So it's always good to try, but if it's not, if it doesn't benefit you, then if anything, it'll count against you if you add it to your application. So they really won't take it against you if you don't add it. So it's totally fine if you just decide to do test optional and not add, um, apply with a SAT or ACT score. Sure, I do really quickly want to add on to that. Um, Ashley was talking briefly about, um, Vivian was briefly talking about the statistics for um, applicants in colleges, which, which relates to being test optional, test blind, and and emissions in general. Um, I actually saw this statistic on the news yesterday that for UCLA uh, this past year, applications overall were up 22%, 48% more for African-American students, 33% more for um, Latino students, and 22% more Asian-American students. So overall, of course, definitely competition is up and tying that back in with um, test optional versus test blind versus test mandatory. Um, as Vivian and everyone else has kind of reiterated, um, it it depends on where you want to go and you know what you're capable of on the SAT or what you think you're capable of. Give it a shot. But if it's not benefiting you a ton and you don't think that it's necessarily worth it, um, then it's okay to skip. There's there's not much of an issue with that. If it can benefit you, great. Does anybody have anything else to add on to that? Yes, um, if you want to apply out of the country, uh, such as the UK, they focus a lot of their applications on the standardized tests. And I know AP tests can be really hard for some people. So if you didn't do well on AP tests, but you want to go to like a really good college in the UK, maybe you should consider taking the ACT or SAT to boost your application a bit more. And also just another thing about the UK, they tend to focus their programs like a little bit more on what you wanna do rather than general education. So also plan for that.
Definitely. Um, I know that Sasha is interested in applying um, internationally, so that's a good perspective to have for sure. Um, I have one thing to add to that. Um, I've always also looked into applying internationally. And one thing to also take into consideration is that a lot of them have their own standardized tests that you have to complete. So that's just something to be aware of. I've looked into a few colleges both for, I've, I've looked into a university for Germany and there are a few standardized tests that um, I, have to com I have to take if I wanna consider going there. So just take into consideration that other countries might have other tests that you need to study for and prepare for. Along with, um, you need, if you're not doing study abroad programs, then it's important to know that some countries um, require a language test to show that you have shown, to show your proficiency in the language because they only teach it in their native language. So that's also something to be aware of. Yeah, definitely some valuable advice there. Um, now I'm also gonna, I wanna briefly talk about um, AP exams and specifically during 2020, um, now that we all uh, went through the AP exam 2020 experience, um, or if not, just kind of what, what you think of APs within the past year, but specifically with the 2020 AP exam, um, if anybody wants to talk about like um, what was easier, what was harder, how they felt about the shorter duration, the 45 minute uh, time limits for most of the exams, just the overall significant change to the style of the exam due to COVID. Um, anybody who wants to go first, please. Uh, personally, oh, sorry. Okay, personally, I thought the 45 minutes could either make or break your score because if you didn't prepare for that specific topic, um, I took the AP World exam last year and it was just a DBQ. So if you didn't know the topic, you were kind of screwed because that was the entire test, the whole 45 minutes. So it could be good, but it also could be bad. Yeah, so personally for me, my junior year, I took four APs. Um, I took Chem, Psych, APUSH, and AP Lang. And so I actually ended up really liking the format because I tend to work well under a time crunch and writing has, I guess, always been my forte. So I was able to do well on um, those exams. I actually did not take AP Chem. I ended up canceling it just because uh, chemistry is hard, so I knew I probably wouldn't have done very well anyways, um, as that was something I was self-studying. So I did end up taking psych, link, and a push, and it definitely was a little bit intimidating at first, just because I felt like a lot of teachers had to shift their um, curriculum to accommodate for this skewed testing. However, I honestly think that College Board did a pretty good job managing such a uh, like a rapid change in a short period of time. Um, I definitely don't think that these scores were as, I guess, representative of maybe someone's knowledge in their certain AP field in comparison to the normal tests. Um, my sophomore year, I did take two AP exams, AP Spanish and AP Art History, and those were both full tests, and those were definitely a lot more to study for and a lot more to prepare for. So I think that we honestly had it easier than most years, and um, hopefully this year, though, we'll be able to take a full comprehensive test. But my experience was overall pretty positive. 
Yeah, so for me, um, as a sophomore currently in freshman year in 2020, I took AP Biology, um, which my school does offer as a freshman. So I really think for me, I found it fairly easy because I do work some, somewhat better with a time crunch similar to Mary, but I also think it was somewhat luck of the draw. Um, I mean, College Board did do a great job, but in reality, um, it, it is a company um, and they did want to satisfy the needs of their customers, um, which they definitely, I, th I think they did do, or at least attempted to do. Um, so they wanted to make sure that the year that people had spent studying for their exams and registered for their exams, they would be able to um, accomplish a score. But the score was not, I don't think it was a, a true reflective, um, you know, score. I think that let's say if you got a four, um, on an AP test, um, if you were to take an, a normal um, AP test during a non-COVID year, I think it could have been like, okay, you could have gotten a five, you could have also gotten a three, but if you got a three on an AP exam, you likely wouldn't have gotten a five no matter what. So I think for those borderline students between um, fours and fives or threes and fours, etc., twos and threes, um, I think that it was more difficult and, and uh, pressuring for them. But overall, I, I really do think it was partly luck of the draw besides making sure that you're well-rounded in every topic. Because in reality, like for, for my AP bio exam, it was just two FRQ questions. And when you looked at the AP exam curriculum versus those two questions, majority of it was not similar to like the actual content. It was like only, I don't know, 30, 40% of what it was, whereas an actual AP exam covers everything. So um, does anybody have any other thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I have something to add about AP tests, especially as seniors. So um, when you take an AP, so by the time you take the AP test, your college applications are already completed and everything. So when you take AP tests as a senior, it's more for credit. For colleges and um, our my physics teacher actually uh, brought up this point um, if you take a um, let's say physics this is an example for me because I want to pursue physics in the future um, if you let's say you want to major in physics and you take the AP physics test those credits aren't as important because the requirements that you the re class requirements um, already have so many physics and mathematics classes um, for you to complete your major that the credits you get won't actually really help you because you'll have to take the classes anyways for your major. So that's something to think about. Sometimes, even though it might seem like they help, might, even though it might seem that um, the AP tests will help you with your credits, at the end, oftentimes, especially senior year, those class credits that you get from the AP tests won't really help you because you already need to take those in college. So that's also something to think about. So if you want to save the time that it takes to study and also the money for the AP test, that's just something to think about when deciding if you want to take it or not. Um, I, I, I see your point, but I actually have to disagree a little bit with that. Um, AP tests are meant to cover introductory classes to a lot of subjects. So 
in, for example, an AP physics course may correlate with an introduction to physics, physics course, depending on the institution you're going to. And so in a lot of cases, everyone has to take that introduction to physics course. And so therefore, if you're getting the credit per se of four or five, that would cover everyone. Because even if you're not majoring in math or science, you are probably still going to have to take calculus, for example. So I think that in that case, I understand what you're saying, but also just keep in mind that you can take those AP credits and you can get them and they can help you stay ahead of the pack once you reach college. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I was just saying for that specific major. Um, yeah, if you're not going into STEM and you take the AP test for math or physics or whatever, it'll definitely help you a lot because then you already have those credits for those specific courses. I was just saying for like some majors, you have to take courses anyways so it might not benefit you as much, but yeah, I definitely agree with you. Cool. So right now we just um, talked about how the 2020 AP exams were, um, but now I think it's definitely important to talk about the future. A lot of standardized testing involves preparation and consideration, um, which for the 2020 AP exams are a bit difficult again because we were preparing for standard AP exams and then bam, in February, March, um, COVID-19 hit all of us. So um, now I want to talk about, you know, how do we choose future exams to take now that um, recently SAT subject tests were removed? Um, we're not even able to consider them um, from College Board, so there's no SAT subject tests anymore. Um, SAT, ACT availability is significantly lower than it was before. AP exams are really kind of the, the one thing that has remained more streamlined, in my opinion, compared to others. So I want to talk about all of those kind of. Um, what do you guys think? Um, I guess we'll start off with um, a recap of SAT subject tests, if anybody wants to talk about that and um, their thoughts on it, and then how that might affect AP exams. Maybe you guys have an idea of like the correlation or how it could affect other exams as well. So um, personally, I'm somewhat um, happy that the SAT subject tests were canceled, um, partially because it was something that I was sort of stressing out about over like when I should take what subject tests I should take and everything like that. As for like the AP tests, I don't think they're going to cancel that as well because I, don't, I just feel like it's already such a somewhat important portion of the um, of college applications. And I feel like if they remove that as well, it would just be really um, hard to like get a sense of someone's understanding of a course, I guess. And if they don't, if they like continue to have SATs and ACTs and everything, I think that it's best for people to just take as many exams as they could, just because I think this was said before, but just because there's really no harm in just like trying all of them. And just like if you do happen to get a score that you're not very pleased with, it's is possible to just not send it in. So there's really no harm in trying and everything. And even beyond like applying for colleges in terms of the SAT and ACT, even if you're applying to a college that doesn't require it, you could still have like several other benefits from it, including like scholarships and everything, which is um, 
pretty important considering how expensive colleges are. So, yeah, so, so I actually, sorry. It's okay, you can go. Oh, so I actually looked at it from a different perspective um, because when I heard that they were canceled, I was a little upset because um, the a- SAT subject tests, in my opinion, are a lot easier than the AP subject tests, no, not the AP subject, the AP tests, um, because you can also retake them a few times and like they're only an hour long and it's not I don't know I just saw them as easier to prepare for and easier to take so now that they're gone I have to rely on AP tests which are a lot harder and also what you said about um not being able to see what like how people understood the class without the AP test I mean I guess you could go like with their classes but then again schools have different levels of how hard the class is so I'm not sure I guess. So I kind of agree with both of you in a sense I think what college and I I've talked about this with um individuals like within the last week or two weeks I think what college board is trying to do um with canceling the subject test is to make AP exams more important so it's kind of what you were saying Sasha they in the past I don't know if you guys know this but AP exams really have never been a determining factor for college admissions. A lot of colleges have openly said that they don't even look at the scores um, in terms of like to whether to admit you or not. They're purely for credit. And so in a lot of cases, I know for some schools, they do consider them to an extent, but it's never as large as SAT subject tests or the SATs. So with subject tests being canceled, that is essentially one less standardized test to um, bridge applicants off of and compare them through. So I believe that um, College Board, by doing this, they're really enunciating the importance or the significance behind their AP exams and thus encouraging more kids to take AP exams. And I feel like there's going to be a surge of applicants or students in general taking um, AP exams or rather self-studying these AP exams as they perhaps would with a subject test. I totally see that happening in the future and being more normalized. Um, So that's how I look at it. I think those are all super valuable perspectives, but I, I, I kind of want to add on from college boards perspective, I guess, in in my perspective of college board, um, I think that they 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 obviously foresaw cuts during COVID, um, whether that I think just throughout all of their company, just for different um, elements of their programs. So between AP exams and subjects tests, which are kind of the two um, standardized tests on specific courses, whereas SAT and ACT are not, uh, they're just more general standardized tests. Um, I think they they considered multiple things. First, subject tests cost less than AP exams. Um, I believe like a subject test is normally 70 to $80 and an AP exam tends to be between 100 and $120. Don't quote me on those numbers. That's just from my personal experience that they do cost less and that AP exams are more integral um, for kind of just, they're, they're just more integral in terms of like preparation because um, the other thing that they considered was subject tests are like content heavy um and you know you can study for them on your own maybe i think a bit easier than ap exams those ap exams are actual courses um and actually subject tests by the way might be much cheaper um than even 70 or 80 dollars but ultimately um going back to ap exams 
and subject tests, I think that they also communicated with colleges. And being that the SAT had already been made optional at, for example, UCs and a lot of other um, universities, including private universities, I do think that um, you know, in communicating with colleges, they thought that AP exams are a solid, like actual application of what people can know and how they can um, have an open mindset into applying whatever they know to specific problems. Um, so that that's kind of my take on all of it. Now, we are going to be going to break right now, um, but we'll be right back. Um, catch us in about two minutes and we'll see you guys then. Into STEM Talks Episode 4 is on a short intermission, but we'll be back shortly with more exciting perspectives and insight on the future of standardized testing, along with some unique miscellaneous topics. Hello everyone, thank you for um, staying with us after that brief intermission. And um, now we're gonna continue talking about standardized testing during the COVID-19 pandemic. In the first segment, we talked about um, SAT, ACT being optional and the thoughts on that um, from our speakers, um, how the 2020 AP exams were, and generally how will future exams be in the future? So those are some of the things we discussed in the uh, first segment, but now, um, we want to talk mainly about the future and kind of some miscellaneous topics that are, are relevant to standardized testing and admissions in general. So um, the first question actually that I have for everybody is, how can we stay motivated to prepare and register and take exams during COVID, especially since we don't have the same interaction with people. We're not able to um, have people hold us to like accountability standards as much. So. Um, what do you guys think about how to stay motivated specifically, whether that be like time management, um, anything, I guess. For me personally, the greatest motivator is just knowing how much this will affect your future and um, how important it is for your future goals. So even though studying isn't always fun and everything, just knowing that it'll get you that much closer to your dream goal and your dream career and your dream college is just always a great motivator. And also just setting mini deadlines for like studying or study goals where you could study maybe an hour every day really helps a lot with motivation, I, I think. Yeah. Uh, one thing for me is keeping your workspace like kind of tidy so you have a lot of space to do what you need to do and maybe listening to music so it's like a place where you want to be and less of like a prisoning thing. But yeah, that's pretty important for me. Definitely. I do have a couple things to add on to um, the, the response to the, the question kind of. So um, the first thing I'd agree, trying to keep like your, your space um, oriented and, and clean. Um, and then also just having your study schedule um, and planner to avoid any distractions and be your own accountability um, person because we're not able to have as much interaction so we kind of have to take that person of like another person into our own mindset I think um, and then you know besides from that own thoughts that we should have in our heads um, let's say that you're just struggling with 
um, procrastination or just uh, meeting certain deadlines as Vivian discussed, um, there's, you can definitely reach out to friends and parents and, and relatives um, as like accountability partners and making sure that you can um, achieve the deadlines that you want to. Um, talk with your teachers, talk with counselors. Uh, you have all the resources there. Most of us um, do have those resources. So uh, use them to your greatest advantage. Um, the other thing I would say about procrastination is um, if you are struggling with that, um, a lot of high schoolers, you know, it, it's kind of a natural instinct to try to put things off, uh, which is totally fine, happens with a lot of people. For me, what I found to be most effective um, is that I've tried to do things, you know, way before the deadline. And then I, I, I really do a kind of, you're not supposed to compare, but I compare to other people. Um, and see like, okay, they procrastinated. What what happened with them? Like, what, were they able to achieve the same content um, as I did in, in my project or um, on my test? How did they feel about it versus I feel about it? And that's not the best way to analyze it. But what I've found is generally, um, you know, people who procrastinate are not going to be able to achieve as much as Vivian mentioned with dream goals and aspirations. Um, and ultimately what you want to do to better your community and, and yourself. So, um, I mean, ultimately, um, I found that doing things ahead of time, this will sound weird, but is actually the best way to be lazy because then later on, I don't have to worry about things and I can be lazy later on. So, um, I, I don't know why, but I've actually found this very beneficial in my, like, my math class. Um, how how the how my teacher always emphasizes like the laziest people are the people who try to get around math problems um, and try to use like certain um, strategies to kind of like override you know we might see this equation we're trying to convert it to this um, x y to polar or we're trying to do something else um, and the equations right there we have an instinct but we have to consider everything at once um, and try to figure out like okay, what's, what's the easiest way I can do that? And it sounds like that's complicated, but once you get used to it, um, it I think, it, at least for me, it has been a way to be lazy and I've kind of applied that to the rest of my life. So that's a bit of a tangent on my uh, procrastination strategies, but I think it's relevant to stay motivated for, for tests as well. I think that's a really good tip. Uh, one thing I did to help uh, combat procrastination is I use this workspace thing called Notion and I also just use a calendar to remind me to do things. But Notion is like this website and you can set up like all your classes with your Zoom meetings linked in and put all your homework in like a special schedule. And it's all right there in front of you. So for me, it's a lot easier to focus on my work when it's just all there. Plus you can also input a playlist specifically for your homework that you like. So then that'll also motivate you to get your work done a little bit faster. And one last thing is just that I kind of think about if I can do something really fast, like if there's something I can get done in less than like 10 minutes, I might as well just do it. So that's helped me get a lot of work done a lot faster. Personally, I found that like creating a detailed study schedule just helps me because I like the organization and everything. And it also just helps me um, keep like be accountable of myself. And if I'm like, 
lazy one day and I skip something I'll be able to see it and I'll be able to like catch up the next day and everything and also I kind of just like studying in a small group of maybe like two or three other people um just because I like um asking questions with them and like sharing our thoughts and everything although it's not something that I do too often but it's helpful when um you do it like once every two weeks or any or something like yeah and another thing this um is kind of a tip actually for the SAT uh, for the reading section but this can be applied to things in general um try to make things fun try to make yourself interested in it and that that sounds broad but what I mean um, I'll, I'll bring up the example of SAT reading section. Um, if you're reading an article and it's about history and let's say you're just not that interested in the topic at hand, just try, you know, um, you have to get some practice at it, but physically try to be interested, find elements of, of that article that you're interested in in a class. Um, try to make things more interactive for you when you're studying, study in study groups as Crystal mentioned. Um, there's an abundance of ways to try to make yourself interested, and I don't want to say fake interest, but um, you want to uh, really encourage interest as much as possible in order to stay motivated. And I think we'll go to the next topic, um, which is another question, open-ended. Um, are you looking forward to test optional future? And and obviously not just yes or no, um, you know, if you are, why? Um, what are you most excited about? Um, if you're not, again, um, why Why do you not think that test optional future is that benefit? I'll, I'd actually like to start, um, if you guys don't mind, because just simply because of the fact I'm undecided on this, probably as a lot of our viewers, um, I'm a sophomore in high school and, you know, right, right in between like sophomore and junior year, which is um, a beneficial recommended time to take um, SAT, ACT, or at least try it specifically with practice SAT, PSAT. Um, and then in junior year, you have the PSAT to qualify for National Merit Scholars if that's something you want to achieve. So for me, I'm super uncertain on if I'm looking forward to it or not. I think it brings more confusion than clarity, but in the end, I think it will be, the test optional future will be shifting the focus a bit, you know, from the types of tests, you know, um, SAT, ACT, maybe to more AP exams, um, and then also for extracurriculars. I think it'll be shifting um, less on tests and maybe more of your leadership abilities um, and, and different projects you've been working on uh, throughout your high school career, kind of. So um, for a test optional future, I'm conflicted. So I, I, that's why I kind of wanted to hear you guys is getting that out there, what you guys think about, and also a, a good senior perspective, like um, even though you guys have probably um, gone with like the test required um, future, uh, test required past, um, what are your thoughts on how, you know, college board or just colleges in general um, are changing things up a little bit for admissions testing. Yeah, so I guess I'll go as a senior. So as someone who studied for the SAT for a painful year, um, it was not fun, but I think 
that it was very beneficial for me. Um, I personally believe that, like many others, the SAT does not measure your intelligence, but it does measure your ability to, you know, fixate and to take a test. And just like the whole studying aspect of the SAT has really allowed me to do anything from brush up on math concepts to improve reading comprehension and all of those things have helped me in other subjects too so that's my experience I honestly I mean I really at the end of the day it doesn't really bother me since I'm gonna be gone in like four months um, from all this like high school stuff but I think that the SAT and ACT is a great way to standardize students. And so I think that if everything does go test optional, then it's going to be difficult to gauge students um, that perhaps go to different schools and have different grading scales. So I think that needs to also be kept in mind. Um, as well as that, something I definitely do want to brush up on is national merit. So getting national merit has been great as um you know there have been so many scholarship opportunities that i've experienced and i think that if that's taken away that can definitely bring a disadvantage to a lot of students who may have been depending on this national merit i guess um this national merit award in order to get perhaps even full rides to some schools half tuition scholarships you have schools like northeastern and fordham and usc who will give you full rides if you're national merit and that's huge that's just one test score giving you a you know a tuition that costs virtually nothing at one of all these like amazing schools so i think that also needs to be kept in mind um so overall i'm really not super optimistic on the test optional future. However, I do see the perspective in which test optional also gives students a greater opportunity to apply to schools with some other other characteristics and other traits that speak louder than a test. And I do understand some people are not good test takers, but at the end of the day, colleges need to standardize students in one way or another to determine their, I guess, relevance for admissions. So I think not having the SAT or ACT in the future is really gonna hinder that. And does anybody have like a, a hard stance? Um, like I'm totally looking to a test, looking forward to a test optional future or ah, that's not, no, no, I, I, no, I don't want a test optional future at all. Uh, does anybody have any other thoughts? Again, it's a really, um, these are like um, dynamic times that are shifting a lot, so it's hard to gain a, a certain perspective. Or if you don't, you feel free to talk as well. Um, I really just agree what, with what Andre and Mary have said. Um, I'm kind of like in the middle as well. Although I've been, I've always been really busy, so I never really had time to prepare for the SAT or ACT. So I was a little bit more on the happy side because although my score was decent, I feel like I didn't have time to make it as good as I could have made it. So I was kind of happy about it because I feel like compared to my academics and extracurriculars, it was a little bit, it, it wouldn't have helped me as much, but um, I feel like it could help you a lot in admissions. So I see it both, like from both perspectives. For sure. I think we, we did bring up quite a few good points on whether or not we're looking forward to a test optional future. Um, and if anybody, you know, has a similar perspective, 
um, on test option in the future, or has any questions about our opinions or anything we've talked about just in general in this talk, um, feel free, you know, you can join the InterSTEM Discord server, um, you can make a comment on our podcast, you can share it with other people to gain the valuable insight. Uh, so we hope that the points have been really helpful to us. We do have one final kind of encore question, um, which is somewhat related um, to standardized testing, but more generally in college admissions. Um, and that was recently, this is specifically for California, but could potentially apply, apply in the past or future to other states as well or countries. There was a proposition that was um, brought up um, in California for the people to vote on. And this was Prop 16. Prop 16 was a measure to repeal a previous ban on affirmative action. And for our viewers, affirmative action allows race, ethnicity, and gender to once again be considered in admissions for states, colleges, contracts, and jobs. Um, now, I, I want to make one thing clear. Proposition 16 was for um, state colleges, state, state community colleges, like state UC systems. Um, in California. So it wasn't applying, for example, to all private universities in the US because this is something that was in California from the government. So um, in the end, people already had a chance to vote in the November election. Um, people voted no, 57.2% um, to a yes of 42.8%. Uh, so about a difference of 15%. Um, and actually over 16 million people voted for the measure in total, whether they be yes or no, 9.6 million voted no and 7.2 in favor. So that, that was a lot of statistics, kind of background information, but um, does anybody have any thoughts on uh, Prop 16 kind, kind of like the, um, this, this uh, attempts to repeal the ban on affirmative action, whether you think that would be beneficial or not? Um, for people and their circumstances, et cetera. And this is just like, I think it comes down mostly to personal belief because I do see a relevant point on both sides of the situation. Um, I personally believe that we should be accepted to colleges based on merit. And I understand that there is a discrepancy based on per se SAT scores, um, and how they play out through race. You know, you have the typical, maybe like East Asians who typically, stereotypically tend to do better on these tests versus um, underrepresented minorities, which maybe don't fare as well. And I, these are not due to what race you're born with. These are due to source problems. You know, what is making this score discrepancy possible in the first place? I think we should start looking at those problems instead of, you know, looking at affirmative action in order to successfully, you know, reap um, and have a, I guess, more equal representation. Um, with that said, I, so I don't agree in affirmative action. I think that it is, it's unfair for those who have worked hard throughout high school and, you know, done what they done you know their due justice in terms of the admissions process but are simply just disadvantaged for being an over overrepresented minority so with that said I believe that it would be proper perhaps um, to award underrepresented minorities which if you guys don't know those include 
Native American citizens, um, African Americans, and Hispanics. And I believe that these individuals should be awarded through scholarships or perhaps for the UC system specifically for regions, not necessarily through an acceptance that per se took less effort than an overrepresented minority counterpart. So that's my perspective on that. Um, so I am all against affirmative action. <laughs> I'm also somewhat against it, but mainly because of the, the difference between two words that I think is at the center of the, the proposition, I think, and that's equity versus equality. Um, equity is, basically saying that you know everybody has equal opportunities to achieve things that they want or just equal opportunities for anything um, equality is saying it should like things should be equal so let's say um here, here let me bring an example to clarify um in in a workforce for whatever industry 25% should be Hispanic, 25% should be Asian American, 25% should be African American, 25% should be of European descent. That's just a completely, um, completely hypothetical situation of what I believe equality means. Now, normally equality is used kind of as a definition of equity, and that's because it's very similar, and I don't think there's a huge issue with that, but I think it's important to understand the difference. And and where I stand on is I believe in equity, where everybody should have the equal opportunity, of course, as a fundamental human right um, in America, obviously, fundamental right as well, um, where everybody's given the equal opportunity, no matter their circumstances. And right now, it's, it's still difficult for people to um, be experiencing all the benefits of equity. Um, and that might be because of their race, but I think um, that th that stems from you know social economical um, you know stances and and things that are going on in terms of like um, the way that that people um, you know the way that demographics are, are centralized around like social um, and economic situations. So uh, ultimately, where where do I stand? Um, I believe in equity that we need to strengthen. Um, certain programs, of course, to make sure that everybody gets equal opportunity for college admissions. But I do believe that people who just because they were born, um, you know, uh, with with a different colored skin than another person shouldn't have an advantage. And that's, that's a, an argument on both sides. You know, people are saying that, oh, well, let's say, um, this is again a hypothetical situation, but you're white and because of social economic uh, benefits, you might be able to achieve more than somebody in a low income family where the demographics um, tend to be higher um, in you know, underrepresented um, and more diverse backgrounds. So on their side, they're thinking like, oh, well, you might um, have more, oppor um, more opportunities to do so. And I, I agree, but I also think that we shouldn't completely like shift it to another side. I think there's a middle. And I think that um, that we need to try to um, figure that out as a country and as high schoolers, um, as a community. Um, and, you know, I think that um, people did vote based off of equality. There was a 15% um, difference. I'm not sure. I, I don't think that this was a like a partisan issue or like, you know, a certain party supported this certain party. I think it was a human thing, like a more of a, a moral thing that people voted for. Um, 
and people voted that yes, on a college application, your race should be there. You know, you have these the wonderful opportunity again of writing these essays um, that you can feature experiences you've had, which could relate exactly to um, the topic of like your background. So, and then you can participate in activities. You could start a club. Um, so that's a jumble of a bunch of information of my personal opinion. Again, this question uh, is purely based off like um, opinions and what everybody thinks, um, but it's good as a community to hear from one another. So that's what that's why I um, and some people part of Interstem thought it would be a good topic to include. Does anybody have any other thoughts after my jumble, jumble, jumble of information? Yeah, so just as a final sort of point of mine, um, I guess for a lot of nest, like, especially for a lot of private institutions, race and whether you're an or overrepresented minority or underrepresented minority does play a somewhat large factor. But just remember, and especially if you're about to start the college application process, it is extremely random and you know, no one factor such as your SAT score or, you know, your race is going to entail you um, a acceptance slash rejection from any school. So even if um, your state or your dream school does practice affirmative action, just keep in mind that that is just a piece of your application and not anything that'll guarantee your um, future decision. I think that's a very good point to mention at the end and, and kind of conclude everything. Um, I think that this was um, honestly a beneficial discussion for us and then definitely all of our viewers. Um, in the future podcasts, um, we are going to be talking also about COVID adaptability, but with extracurriculars and internships, um, other high school programs leadership adaptability which kind of uh, entails all of those things um, in one topic so keep an eye out for all of those things coming out in the next um, month and and so on and we'll also continue to discuss just current issues with covid um, such as like um, different diseases that are complications of covid such as mis-a which is a complication for children um, we'll be talking about you know, the um, distribution process of vaccine, which is a prominent part right now um, in everything that's going on in, around the world. So look forward to all of that. But thank you really everybody who joined us for this podcast, including um, especially our viewers and our speakers. Huge thank you to all of you guys. Thank you for thank listening. You. That was a really important discussion. Thank you. Thank you. Yep, and we'll catch you guys in the next one. Bye, thank you.